Alex the Queens, Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I am Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Blaus, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? It's hot. <laughs> it is hot. It, uh, yeah. I'm on, as I discussed last week, long-term dog-sitting duty. I walked like three blocks slowly, and both Penny and I wanted to die. It's like, this sucks. It was yeah. 90 degrees at 9 p.m. last night with, like, 80% yeah. humidity. I was at the game. It was so hot. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't imagine playing in this weather. Yeah, it's just... I mean, I used to play lacrosse in this weather, I guess, but I was a teenager. I couldn't imagine doing that now. Especially as, like, like what it was the day games a few days ago and stuff. Oh, boy. The double header. I don't know how they did that. I work outside now, and this last week is not good. No. I basically came home on on Thursday. My shift is, like, Sunday to Thursday. I came Mm -hmm. home, which so Thursday, which is my Friday night. I took off my clothes. I said, I'm going to go take a shower. And then I said, you know what? I'm too tired to take a shower. (laughs) I went to sleep at, like, 8 (laughs) o'clock. It was just draining. That's exactly what it is. The humidity just sucks the life out of you. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine living in the South. Bunch of Yankees here. Mm. (laughs) Fuck the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, you know, it's one thing that they don't have in the South. Good burgers. What a burgers from Texas, isn't it? Yes. That's like Southwest, though. That's not like Southwest. Yeah, all right, fair, fair. I see where you're getting at. And, and I don't actually know if that's true or not, but I just needed something to, like, segue uh, to uh-huh, uh-huh. So you, we touched. We, we do nothing if make your job harder than it has to be. <laughs> we touched on burgers for whatever reason last week, and we resolved to make it our promote extend trade question for this week. So... What burger places are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First was Shake Shack Burger. Uh-huh. Next was a Five Guys Burger. Mm-hmm. And I had trouble figuring out the third one because, you know, like we don't have, like, In-N-Out Burger or, or what is the other Water Burger that you said last yeah, week? Yeah, we – up here, we don't have a, a good third option. Right, and th- there's a bunch of, like, good individual burger joints out there, like independently owned or, or small, whatever – I don't know who's been to where and who's had what, so I just kind of went with a cop-out, and the third one is just going to be a very classic Big Mac. Oh, Big Mac. Well, that's last. Yeah. <laughs> and that's no offense to the Big Mac itself. I, I, I will make make offense to the Big Mac. McDonald's sucks. Wendy's burgers are better by a wide oh, yes. margin. Wendy's is my favorite. They are, yes. Yes. But they don't have anything. What, what's their generic hamburger? It's like Chicken a founder. Yeah, or I don't know whopper. what you call it. It doesn't have a name. No. no. Wendy's has the Whopper. No, it's Burger King. King. Oh, Burger King. What? No, what? Just get off this podcast right wow. now. Wow. No Whoppers for fucking Wendy's. <laughs> what is Wendy's then? It's, it's a fresh thing. That threw me uh, completely. Water, whatever. Um. Anyway, back to the original question. I am for sure extending Shake Shack, and it's not even fucking closed. It's closed for me, but I like Shake Shack more than Five Guys. I'm going to go the other way around solely because uh, I recently Shake Shack screwed up and sent me two orders. Uh-huh. So I ate one for away. dinner. No, but I ate one for dinner. The Christine and I ate them for, for dinner. One night, and then took the the second like meal for lunch the next day. And let me tell you guys, that was a mistake. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I I was not feeling great for a few days. <laughs> I had been feeling Shake Shack for a while. <laughs> That's kind of funny, actually. I'm sorry to laugh at your pain, but <laughs> oh no. I bet you, I bet, see, the worst part about that experience, I bet, was that you were so excited at first, like, oh, free oh, yeah. Shake Shack meal, oh, and then yeah. it went so wrong. Yep. <laughs> my disappointment is immense, and my day is ruined. Now, I will say, because you mentioned it, and I never neglect a chance to shit on this company, or really many Californian things, uh, 
In and Out Burgers are trash. In and Out in general is trash. I've, I've basically it's been hyped on the internet for me for years, and every single person who I know who's went and gotten it is like, this is not good, and I don't care about it. Wow. No, like. And then, and then the In-N-Out defenders will defend it saying like, oh, but it's cheaper than Chick Shack. It's like, no, it isn't. It, it's no longer cheap. Oh, really? Cause I know it was at one point. It was like, no, very, not like, anymore. Probably because it got so famous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and Five Guys, and like Five Guys burgers are at least interesting. In-N-Out is, like, it's not, it's a burger, right? It's not bad. It's hard, it's hard to make a bad fast food burger, but In-N-Out burgers are just so mediocre. Five Guys Burgers are interesting, and then Shake Shack Burgers are awesome. Yeah, I love Shake Shack. Right, you ready for an unorthodox opinion? Oh, no, Steve. You're not going to put Big Macs first. Five Guys Burgers getting extended. Oh, that's fine. I think that's what Ken said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trading Shake Shack. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what he's doing. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm promoting the Big Mac. Now, here's the thing. I don't even like Big Macs, really. But I don't like Shake Shack either. What? Big Mac is cheaper, therefore Big Mac wins. Oh, I thought we were going like historical. Like the Big Mac is like the father, the grandfather of the fast food burger. So Big Daddy Mac. <laughs> I'm aghast, Steve. I just don't like Shake Shack. Shakes are good. I, I find your opinion personally offensive. <laughs> it's I like Shake Shack's fries. Okay. You like Shake Shack fries? I do. They suck. I put cheese on them and I'm chilling. I mean, cheese makes everything better. Yeah, I always, I always get cheese fries when I go to Shake Shack. You're, you're, you're not, you're one of those people who's blessed with the ability to still eat milk without dying. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Milk does not bother me at all. Yeah, I wish. Is there any milk in the Shake Shack cheese though? Probably not. American cheese product. <laughs> See, my thing with Shake Shack is it's not bad. Nothing that they have is bad, and their shakes are quite good. But Mm. it's just not worth the price. They're okay, and I'm not going to spend, like, $13, $14 for an okay meal, you know? But that's just me. I love Shake Shack. All right, so let's move to the Mets now. And things have been pretty negative in Mets land lately. The Mets themselves, obviously, they've been playing like above their heads most of the year. And now they're starting to run out of steam and it is the worst possible team to do that. It's the most demoralizing time of the year to start sucking. The minor league teams, with the exception of St. Lucie, they've all been pretty damn bad since the beginning. And, you know, we did kind of have high expectations for them. The 2021 draft, it was a disaster on multiple fronts, uh, you know, from from a PR point of view to a literal adding players on the field. The Mets 2021 draft is just bad. And the Mets owner himself, you know, a few weeks ago pledged to address the living conditions of his employees in the minor leagues and basically ignored his own self-imposed deadline after making a couple of random tweaks here and there, which didn't really move the needle, and it's not a good look. So there's a lot of things to not be happy about (laughs) with right now in Mets land. But with that in mind, we are going to do a positive podcast today. Can you guys believe that? (laughs) It's going to be a challenge for us. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, even though the teams as a whole have some of the worst records in minor league baseball, we're gonna we're gonna look to the positives there, because uh, there has been a lot of growth in individual players in the system. You know, basically from top to bottom. So what we're gonna do this week is we're gonna go back to our 2021 top prospect list, which is a little dated at this point, but that's okay. And we're gonna review basically player by player and look how they've grown this season. We are a little bit past midpoint of the year. So, I mean, this is a good point to, you know, stop and, and look at everything as a whole and see how everyone has kind of done. How much longer is there in the minor league season? Like another six, eight weeks, something like that? Yeah, about it. This year they're playing till the end of September. Usually it's yeah. the beginning, mm-hmm. but since things delayed, had a delayed opening because of 
COVID and everything, they're going a little longer. And the Mets teams aren't going to be playing a lot of playoff games. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So first off is our number one prospect, shortstop Ronnie Mauricio. And he is currently hitting 240, 278, 445 in 79 games of the Brooklyn Cyclones with 15 homers, six stolen bases, and a 15 to 79 walk to strikeout ratio. So is his stock up? Is it holding? Or is it down? And you guys' opinion? It's down for me. Um, it's down also because the two guys behind him are just now better than him. Um, right. Well, try to look at it as just an individual. Yeah. Yeah, in a vacuum. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I think it's down a little bit, but also I could easily. It's just a season, and he's still young, so. I'm going to say ah. that his stock is up because the power is starting to finally show. And he, I mean, if you just look at Mauricio, he's a very different looking person physically yes. than he was yes. as compared to like two years ago. So, you know, you, you put on some muscle, it's going to take time to adjust. So I'm willing to kind of look past the pretty low average because the the power is showing and that's good. The walks and the strikeouts is concerning, but again, he is still kind of young, so I'm willing to give, you know, for a half season's worth of at bats at a new level that he's never played at before, I'm willing to give it a pass for now. Um, I was, I, I think I'd have to share Thomas's harsher opinion and say down, if not for the fact that I didn't think much of Mauricio in the first place, so it's kind of steady for me. Yeah, like he still has yet to hit at a, a notable amount at any level, and the physical tools are all great, sure, but the approach is still bad. Uh, it's probably not a shortstop. Like I, I, I think there was some hope, or like weirdly, I think if you ask this question a month into the season, the stock was up because he was big and he started okay and he hit a couple long homers, and then the season went on and he just continued to not hit adequately and I now I feel like the stock's down um in terms of consensus value and then let's bring him closer to where I might have had him in the first place yes the thing I was worried about are still there but also like you can fix that and we'll be having a different conversation next year so but that's just for me right now. It's just, and I, when I mean down, I don't mean like, oh, I'm out on him completely. He's now a bust. Like I'm right. just a little, a little bit more concerned than I was going into the season. It's interesting because um, on the one hand, one of the big questions with him historically has been resolved that you know the power showed up. Uh, but on the other hand, having seen him a couple times. Um, Additional questions have arisen about yeah uh, yeah exactly you know yeah I still don't really love the left-handed swing and that's his power side and yep. like he's he he has stuff to work on for sure but also he's now instead of one in the system he's three so okay <laughs> like it's not like he's went one in the system to fifteen and we don't care about him anymore you know like he's still one of the premier talents the Mets have in their system just because of how thin it is and also because he didn't play poorly enough to be cons- like just completely a non-factor anymore. We're going to have to discuss him in a lot more detail detail uh, detail when it comes time to do the next Mets list, but Mhm. Can mm-hmm. we put him up down or holding? Hold. Okay, so Mauricio, we have one up, one hold, two down. Next up is our number two prospect, right-handed pitcher Matthew Allen. He did not play in 2021 because uh, early MRI, uh, an MRI in early May showed that he tore his UCL, so he needed Tommy John to fix it. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he gets a hold for me just because, you know, yeah. injury, not good, but hard to judge anything. I'm going to say down just because of the timing of the injury. Like, it was the least optimal moment to get Tommy John because he's going to miss all of 2023 as well. Yep. Probably. Or the vast majority. 
Yeah, because, I mean, the earliest he could have possibly gotten the surgery is mid to late May. Yeah. And so he's losing, obviously, all this season. If he's back at the earliest, it'll be the second half of next year, and that's, you know, being very optimistic. I wonder if they send him to the Dominican Summer League or, so, or not not the DSL, uh, the, the Winter League, excuse me, that some guys go to just to get some reps because basically he's going to be the, – the the typical timeline would be right as 2023 ends. So – Just play. to get him throwing? Yeah, it's just to do some winter ball the, somewhere. The Jordan Humphreys route that they went yeah. with a couple years ago. Well, hopefully, it's not the worst. Yeah, hopefully it goes better than Jordan Humphreys. Well, he's uh, he way a more, little more talented. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> now, are you telling me we're not going to trade Matthew Allen for Billy Hamilton? <laughs> and then Humphreys gets DFA'd like two weeks later anyway. I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm not going to say no, but... All right, so consensus. Uh, uh, Thomas and, and Ken, what do you guys... I'm holding. It's, yeah, push. it's right. a Tommy John, and I can't really say. Like... I guess down because he got hurt, but that's not really fair to him, so holding. So three holds and one down. Next up is our third prospect, catcher Francisco Alvarez. He is currently hitting 279, 391, 555 in 74 games with the St. Lucie Mets and the Brooklyn Cyclones with a combined 16 home runs, four stolen bases, and a 41 to 68 walk to strikeout ratio. I feel like Ken deserves a victory lap for this one. Oh yes, 100%. This is the yeah. most obvious up, 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 you know, out of everything. Like you could, he's, he's most definitely a top 20 prospect in baseball, could be top 10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was any other position, it'd be like a, it'd sure be like ten. pushing number one. Yeah, it's like, a, <laughs> you, you gotta hedge for that, it's a teenage catcher. You do. Literally like, the youngest player in, um, uh, high A at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just like sit around, watch him hit a home run, and be like, "He's a 19-year-old catcher." Like, don't the bat the bat speed is is something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something, nope. and his home runs are not cheap. Yeah, his swings aren't any of them. <laughs> no, yeah, he does not get cheated up there. No, he's just have we, have, have we gotten any like concrete reports on the defense? Like, I think it's fine. Like, yeah, I don't as long think... as it's not disastrous, like it's okay. Yeah, I don't think he's like. Uh, gonna be Yadier Molina back there, but no, but no one needs to. Yeah, especially he, when you can hit like he can. Yeah, if, if he's like a fine defensive catcher and everything is fine with the game calling and everything like that, who cares? Yep. <clears throat> so I think we have a consensus up. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yes. Even I'm not pessimistic enough to say anything but up here. <laughs> All right, next up is our number four prospect, third baseman Brett Beatty. He's currently hitting 261, 383, 502 in 76 games with the Brooklyn Cyclones and the Binghamton uh, Rumble Ponies. I wrote down Binghamton Mets. Oh, RIP. Yeah. Um, With 12 home runs, five stolen bases, and a 37-80 walk-to-strikeout ratio. Once again, big, big up here. Yeah. Yep. He's hitting way better than I thought he would. I thought the not that he's like a three true outcomes slugger type, but I did not think that he would be able to hit for average as well as he has. So that's no, really he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna yeah. be, and he's pretty. I don't want to say safe, but I would be shocked if he's not a major league player, and he could be that soon. Like if he's already hitting in Double A, you start him in Syracuse next year and you let him yep. go, and he could be up. Next season, I, I'm definitely baby pilled, but I remember, remain just slightly skeptical of the high end power solely because of his approach. Right, he doesn't pull, not a pull hitter really. He, would, he, very, he pulls plenty. Now. I mean, it's, sure, sure, sure. He's not like someone who's uh, he's he's a line to line guy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. So I and I don't know that the the. I mean, apparently the the ball just carries off his bat incredibly, so this might not be a concern. Um, and if and if he had hit more homers, it wouldn't be a concern either. That that's also just like a nitpicking here, right? It's mm-hmm. oh, he might not reach high end third base power upside. Well, if he's hitting three twenty and yeah, that's walking fine. and hitting twenty home runs, like it, it, it's fine. It's okay. It'll be okay. 
he's just like he's this is pretty much like the best case scenario I had for him in my head and he just hit it which is yeah. nice to see like I always I was a little worried about the bat to ball stuff and now I'm less worried about that than anything else <laughs> yeah when I saw him Kingsport his swing just felt like very long and I always thought like oh god like if they start busting him in like is his bat speed quick enough to catch up on stuff on the inside he was always going the opposite way which is kind of weird but it was like all right you know clearly you're trying to do something and he was doing it so that's cool but obviously you know he he's any concerns that i had have been remedied and they are showing as like you know above average skills now which is like great so consensus up for Beatty. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. All it's right, funny with sure. Beatty, too, because he was always a guy we thought, oh, well, he's always been older than his competition, and now for the first time he's playing against people significantly older than him mm-hmm. and holding his own. So, yeah. Yep. Always it's, good to see. It's nice. It's nice to see, and it's also it's nice for the for the Mets in general just because the system, as we're going to go through it, is not good. But it's going to get depressing two, very quickly. They have two legitimate top 30 players and Beatty and Alvarez and that's always nice (laughs) you always want to see that next up is number five prospect outfielder Picaro Armstrong all right he went uh five for 24 with a pair of doubles two stolen bases and a seven to six walk to strikeout ratio in six games with St. Lucie Mets and then he had a season end due to a torn shoulder labrum and then he was traded to the Cubs for Javi Baez. So, I mean, it's difficult to rank anything. Um, I would say it. I would be very concerned with a shoulder injury on a defense-first outfielder who's off, with a questionable offense. power projection. Yeah. yeah, like I, I don't, I don't want to say that's why the Mets sold low on him. I get. I don't know if you want to call Baez selling low. It depends on how you feel about him. But also, that's a very not good combination of an injury and a player archetype. Like he needs to not have shoulder problems to hit for power. And he already blew his shoulder out at 19. So I'm a little concerned for him going forward. I would be if he was still a Met too. Well, we'll see how he develops from afar, I guess. Next up is our number six prospect, uh, third baseman, Mark Vientos. He is currently hitting 279, 350, 601 in 62 games with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies with 20 home runs, no stolen bases, and a 24 to 73 walk to strikeout ratio. Talk about a roller coaster season. Yeah. Like, ask this, ask this question six weeks in, down, down, down. Ask it based on the next six weeks, probably pretty up. Now, up. I would say has COVID or something. I don't know. I I would say up just because um he's hitting. Like I still have concerns about the bat against Velo and where he's going to play in the field and everything else. But he's kind of hitting this year, and especially for the last six weeks or so. So I'll give him a nice little up, and maybe you'll continue to develop the bat from there. I think that's fair. He gets an up from me. Same. So less, or less, uh, um, uh, not voracious. That's not the word I'm looking for. Less convicted, less convicted up than with uh, Beatty and uh, yeah, Alvarez. For sure, for but sure. that's pretty much everyone from mm-hmm. here on down, I think. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they're probably like two, definitely two of the the biggest risers this season in minor league baseball. Thinking, thinking. Uh, Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker is a good one. Jordan Walker was a higher starting point than either of them in most outlets, though, so... True, true. All right, next is our number seven prospect, right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf. He was traded to Cleveland Indians back in January in the Francisco Lindor trade, so he's no longer relevant, but for curiosity's sake, he has a 5.88 ERA on the year in 49 innings with the low-A Lynchburg Hellcats with 55 hits allowed, 26 walks, and 51 strikeouts. So, However, it's a second-round pitching prospect. Yep. It's a a speed flyer. Yep. 
Traded for Francisco. Uh, as the low guy on Francisco Lindor and that whole transaction in general, like, you trade Josh Wolf for Francisco Lindor. You make that trade for Lindor, including Wolf, every time, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Don't, don't even care. Basically how I feel, too. Yep. All right, so now next up is the number eight prospect, um, infielder, I guess, slash also outfielder now, Jalen Palmer. He is currently hitting 276, 383, 360, uh, 386 in 74 games with the St. Lucie Mets and Brooklyn Cyclones with two home runs, 25 stolen bases, and a 46 to 96 walk to strikeout ratio. I have no idea what the answer is here. I don't know. I want to say up, but I might be biased. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him a holding, I guess, because he's done nothing to diminish his value. Yeah. It's just yeah. weird. It's just such a weird profile right now that I'm not really sure either what's what, what to be expecting going forward. So he gets a hold. Ken, when you said you were at the game, were you at the Met game or the Cyclones no, the Met game? No. Oh, okay, no. Because I, I saw, I've seen some videos of his swing, and it's like you're a big dude. Why are you swinging like this? There should like uh, his swing is not actualizing his power at all, and I think that's. I wonder if he like that's a response to some of the struggles he was having earlier in the season. Um, I, I don't know. I'm it, guessing because I know when I saw him, he swung like. He had like an Alfonso Soriano kind of just <laughs> way, way, way big swing. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, uppercutty and just super long. And, you know, you could hit the freaking coaches at the bases with the length of that swing. But if he shortened it up, obviously that would seem like it would be a reaction to all of the strikeouts, you know, trying to get more ball on bat. I mean, he started um, horribly. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. has, and rebounded, just the power never showed up, really. The thing is, though, he's still striking out at a pretty high rate, but now he is walking to kind of mitigate that, which is good. But, yeah, the power is kind of missing, which is... But then at the same time, the power's missing, but also now the speed is out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we really don't know what to make of him. Yeah, he's an interesting player. But if he if he could put everything together, I mean, he has the potential to go from like a kind of mystery to being all of a sudden a premier. Not, I don't know. We've ranked him eight on our list. I feel like that was a little aggressive based on other places, but I'm still confident in saying that. I think that's where he's going to end up in other but, places now, though. Yeah, he could be a guy that you know a, a strong season next year. All of a sudden, he's Number three of four. Oh, this is the kind of profile that can go fucking nuclear in about right, two exactly. minutes. Yep, yep. Yeah. And we hope that he does. I want to believe. For now, it's probably a push. Yeah, I'm fine with um holding for him and um seeing where it goes next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real problem is this is a. I love this profile. I love banking on it. This should be your 15th best prospect, not your eighth or higher. Potentially. Yeah. Well, as we're about to see, there is going to be a Mariana Trench-esque drop in terms of <laughs> prospect quality here. No. All right. Now we're back to our prospect, mid-season prospect review. And number nine is going to be right-handed pitcher JT Ginn. And he currently has a 377 ERA in 57.1 innings for the St. Lucie Mets and the Brooklyn Cyclones with 46 hits allowed, 15 walks, and 54 strikeouts. I'm going to give him a hold. He's on the field, but the stuff doesn't look like it's all the way back. Yeah, so add those. Yeah, I guess it'll push. push and like, there's still a chance it comes back more with more time. Yeah, the thing, like, when I saw him in Brooklyn, the slider looked really good. Um, through a couple, I guess, I mean, it's, sometimes it's, it's to me anyway, it's hard to pick up, like, a change-up. But he threw a couple of change-ups, but not enough, I, I think, to really make any kind of judgment calls. But the fastball just didn't seem, like, explosive and dynamic. Like, it, it was basically sitting, like, 90 to 93, 94 or so, which is just kind of, eh. 
But, you know, for a guy that supposedly anyway at Mississippi State was able to touch like, you know, 97, 98, like he's missing that little edge. And that little edge is, I think, what changes him from us looking at him as just kind of like a, oh, okay, prospect right now to a legit bona fide guy, like hell yeah, prospect, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like a back end of the rotation guy right now. Right. The thing with Ginn is, like, I liked him a lot at Mississippi State, figuring that, um, you know, he'd, he'd eventually, a lot of guys, when they, they get into pro ball, they, they sit closer to the top of their velo band. You know, if they, if they generally are between 91 and 95, they'll sit closer to like 93 to 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Ginn, the opposite has happened so far, given right. the, the surgery and everything. So. Yeah, it's also like, what, 50 innings? 50 innings and he's coming off surgery. So Yeah, so, and it's still, Tommy John in 2021 is not a death sentence, but it's also still Tommy John surgery, so. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to just, really, my eyes appeal for him for next year. Like, he's going to be a dude that I'm circling yeah. going into next season and being like, watch him. That's when the field all come back and then yeah, if the if the stuff if the stuff looks like this midway through next season, I'm then we're, yeah. more, uh, then I think we're much more critical. Yeah, because because then he's a he's a down for me at that point. But right now it's a hold because I'm just happy he's playing with with Tommy John surgery. You know. All right. Uh, next is number ten, right-handed pitcher Franklin Killamay. He currently has a 3.62 ERA in 32.1 innings with the Syracuse Mets, with 15 hit uh, excuse me 18 hits allowed, 20 walks, and 26 strikeouts. He missed. Significant time, about two months, due to an injury that was um, not made public in early June. And since coming back at the beginning of August, he's basically been used as a late innings reliever. So for me, stock down. Down significantly. He was also DFA'd. That's right. He was DFA'd, wasn't even claimed. He's not even on the 40-man anymore, or whatever number it is now. I don't even know. I mean, it looks like... down, but... I think he's in the role he should be in. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I worry the cumulative injury effect has zapped his stuff too much. So, oh, and honestly, sure. that would be an interesting topic for a longer discussion that we don't need to have now, but maybe these injury-prone guys that wind up in the bullpen anyway, you should move them there earlier so they don't just keep racking up injuries and having their high-end stuff deteriorate. Someone who's smarter than me should do an actual study on that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. But yeah, he's definitely stocked down. When you get DFA'd and not claimed. <laughs> yeah. No when the Orioles don't want you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough for me to be like, you had a good season, even if he's figuring out a little bit as a bullpen guy, which is where I think he should be, where I think he has the best chance of having a major league career. Sorry, I guess the Diamondbacks are actually the worst, but I mean, point stance. Yeah, still. All right, next is number 11, left-handed pitcher Thomas Zipucky. He made his major league debut. He got up, uh, he got beat up in a multi-inning relief appearance. But that aside, in the minors, he posted a 4.10 ERA in 41.2 innings with Syracuse, allowing 42 hits, 28 walks, and 41 strikeouts. And then he had his season end due to ulnar nerve transposition surgery, which is a common thing that guys who've had Tommy John have to go under so that's a down for me yep yep um i'm gonna be weird and actually say hold similar to kilome he's a guy who i think belongs in the bullpen mm-hmm. the ulnar nerve thing doesn't bother me too much it's not a major pre- i mean it, it it is a major procedure in medical terms but in terms of recovery rates it's pretty high and i think if he comes back and just gets put in the bullpen immediately i think that role still works um yep. That's I'll fair, be generous. I'll be generous and say push. He was still striking guys out, which is yep what you want to see. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I could I, I see what you're saying, and I can agree with that. All right, next. Speaking of striking out, next <laughs> guy is uh, infielder Shervian Newton, and he hit Aww. one. I know. One ninety three twelve two ninety three in thirty games with St. Lucie. With two homers, one stolen base, and a 20 to 58 walk to strikeout ratio before he had a season end 
because of a shoulder injury that uh, he sustained after diving for a ball in mid-June. What is it with the Mets and these fucking shoulder injuries, man? Are they still sending these guys to Barwis or some stupid <laughs> shit? Like, Probably. Christ. Well, you know, it's individual choices and all of that bullshit. You're on a Cespedes didn't drink water. Weirdly, like, I could see the Cespedes one being true, but <laughs> yes, using that, that as a blanket statement was weird. Anyway, down. I hate to say yeah. it, down. I, I don't think that he appears on our list. E- even considering the state of the system, I oh. I don't foresee him being on our list now. I'm, I'm going to sneak him in at 25. Hell yeah, okay, there you go. But yeah, I mean, he, he's on the older side at this point, especially for being in St. Lucie. He's not performing. Yeah. He's kind of, I don't want to say injury prone, but there's, the injuries are racking up. It's just not looking good for him. It's hard to get excited about it anymore. It's tough. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Once, once the excitement is starting to wear off, then that's when you gotta start thinking. Alright, next up is number 13, outfielder Isaiah Green. He was also traded to the Cleveland Indians in January um, for first Nisco Lindor. Uh, for curiosity's sake, he's currently hitting 294, 441, 365 in 24 games for the Indians um, Arizona Complex League team with one home run, four stolen bases, and 24 walks to 22 strikeouts. So That's, that's interesting. but Yeah, it's uh, a solid... You also trade that for Francisco Lindor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, oh, yeah. Yep, yep, 100 times out of 100. This would probably be a guy I'd like way too much if he was still in the system, but, yeah, again, it's... it's oh, yeah, it's interesting. He's just no power at all. It's sad. Yeah, a little but. concerning. But the OBP, the walks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, the walks. Walks in the It's also a complex. Yes, yes. Ken, why must you crush my dreams? <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> Next up at number 14 is outfielder Freddy Valdez, and he was the player to be named later in the trade that Mets were involved in with Boston and the Royals, where the Mets ultimately acquired Khalil Lee. I'm so not Valdez, lie, I forgot they traded him. Yeah. <laughs> Valdez has appeared in 19 games for their Florida Complex League team, and he's currently hitting 254, 368, 365, no homers, no stolen bases. And 11 walks to 15 strikeouts. That's so, empty. His that stock is... would be very down, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I still, I mean, Khalil Lee hasn't been great, but I still like Lee, and I honestly think the Mets got the better end of that. Yeah, I'd rather have Lee than him. And oh. Winkowski. Speaking of Lee, you know, even though he wasn't one of the top prospects in the system because he wasn't in the system when we made our list, but barring something crazy, I'm sure he's going to make our 2022 list. He's in my so, top 10. Yeah, we I, I still think Lee is, is potentially quite good. He just got called up too early. Yeah, um, ignoring his mid-May debut, which is basically like a week, week and a half, whatever. Jesus Christ, 72%. <laughs> I was looking at the, I was looking at his fangraphs. Yesterday. I didn't remember it was that bad. That's why I said ignore it, ignore it, it never happened. <laughs> I don't know if I can, Steve. The goggles, they do nothing. In 64 games with Syracuse, he's currently hitting 268, 447, 470, with seven homers, 47 walks, and 75 strikeouts. I think that would be an up. It's up for me, yeah. Um, yeah. The strikeouts are still an issue, and I'm scared for them. But also, and like the swing, I still have concerns about it, but also I think he's just... You don't hit that well on AAA, and you don't get upped, <laughs> you know, like as a overall thing. He's also well, he just turned twenty three. Yeah, like, he's he's been a prospect for a while, but it's not like he's twenty six or something. Like he's fine. prospect fatigued the way Vientos is, where yep. it's because they drafted him at like seventeen, so he's been around for so long. But mm-hmm. like Lee has been a guy in prospect circles for a while, but he's still young. And- we're basically half, we're more than halfway through the season, and dude is getting on base practically every other time. Like, it's either that or a home run. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like every game he's like one for four with a walk, two strikeouts, and a home run, and I'm like, well, that's. <laughs> he's, uh, Extremely uh, my shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, next up at number 15 is right-handed pitcher Junior Santos. He currently has a 468 ERA in 67.1 innings of the St. Lucie Mets, having allowed 76 hits, walked 30, and struck out 55. This one was a bit tough for me, and I'm going to go with hold. Really? Just because, yeah, he's doing things that are good. He is, he's literally, you know, the, the second, he either is or is the second youngest pitcher in the league. And he's not like terrible, terrible. He's striking out a decent number of guys, but he is walking a lot of people and he is, you know, allowing too many hits. So I like, like on the walks, right? Recently? Yeah. It was pretty bad at the beginning. Um, like he's starting to rein in it, like, find a little bit more control. Yeah, so that's why it's a whole... I I could see it going either way. I could see improvement, or I could see him just continuing to get lit and kind of further diminishing himself. Um, He's a dude I like. Like, he's one of of the dudes I have my eyes on in the system. But I'm going to hold now, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to hold now with the possibility of... Um, not making it a positive by the end of the season if the uh, control stays where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a lot of uh, what's the word? A lot of variation in how things can go for him. So he's also still very young, like you said. Yeah, that's what I'd say. He hasn't really made a complete fool of himself. So I'm willing to just kick the can down the road and see how things progress. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is 16 right-handed pitcher Harold Gonzalez. So he had Tommy John surgery at the beginning of May, and he's out for the season and did not pitch in a game in 2021. So oh, he was so he. This was the year yeah. for it to happen. He would have. Really he would have. Well, I look forward to him going to Japan for a couple of years and then in, like, I don't know, five years' time being the third starter for the Orioles. Mariners. He's a Mariners guy. Or he's going to take the Gabriel, you know, a path. Uh, That's true. They were team. No, were they? No, they were not. He's the spiritual successor. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Next up is number 17, right-handed pitcher Robert Dominguez, and he currently has a 4.70 ERA in 7.2 innings um, with the Florida Complex League Mets. He's allowed eight hits, he's walked two, and he has struck out seven. Was he hurt earlier in the year? Not that I know of. They just The Complex League starts late. Oh, wait, I'm thinking of Ventura. Sorry. Yeah, Ventura, uh, he hurt his shoulder, I think. Mm-hmm. Did he have Tommy John, I thought? I don't remember. I'll I thought it was, it's, it's an arm thing, which is still not good, but. Ventura had Tommy John. Yeah, ah, okay. So I traded for him. Um, Dominguez is a hold for me, I think. He's 19 yeah, in the complex, doing complex yeah. things, it's fine. I, I can't really hold or push or anything else. I can't do anything but hold, I should say. With seven yep. innings for his belt. Exactly, exactly. He's seven in a, innings. Uh, the complex black hole of information, so. Yeah, that's true too. It's just, we could just kind of lean from the box scores, which is not a good way to do, uh, to do anything really. It's tough, especially down there. Alright, next up is number 18, outfielder Alexander Ramirez. And he's currently hitting 252, 323, 381 in 51 games for St. Lucie Mets with four home runs, 13 stolen bases, and a 15 to 79 walk to strikeout ratio. I have to give him an up just because he's not, yeah. he's not making a fool of himself as an extremely, again, I think this is a recurring theme here, but he's, he's holding his own as a young player and Wait, that's all you could really ask for. The dude's there eighteen. Obvious... He's eighteen in full season ball. Like it's fine. Yeah. Yep. There are. There are concerning... the same thing about Ronnie Mauricio. Mm-hmm. There are some concerning trends that you can, if you want to micro, you know, analyze him. But the fact that, like you said, he's he's that young. He's playing full season ball. He's 
treading water or even better if you want to say so at some points he's he's been better like he'll go through stretches where he has good weeks or something which is at 18 and full season like mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive it's kind of impressive he's hitting 250 at all because he can, i do like, i do have one complaint about alexander ramirez it is impossible to get to his fangraphs page without winding yeah. up on the alexander ramirez of the same age from the same signing period who oh, wow. plays for the angels yeah it's infuriating yep. i'm always on the wrong one and i'm like angels um then i remember yes yeah exactly <laughs> there's two alex ramirez's they both play the outfield they're both 18 that is annoying he's definitely um uh a, a, a 2022 hype candidate for me yes yes where absolutely he could it could be he's 19 and a year older and a year, all that experience under his belt, and he just explodes at whatever level he's at. Because they, the Mets, sometimes they're a little stupid about their uh, placements, in my opinion, but this is a good one because he's clearly holding his own at full season. So this is going to help him. Like, he'll learn from this season and how tough it, it – it's obviously tough because he's not hitting – he's not tearing cover off the ball, but also he's clearly – not out of, out of his element, so I think it's a good little season for him. All right, next up at number nineteen is right-handed pitcher Dyson Acosta, and Acosta had Tommy John surgery prior to the start of the season, so he's out for all of twenty twenty one. So that is a hold for me with a mm-hmm. pushing down because he's starting to get up there. Yeah, how old is he now? Um, let's see. I want to say 23. Yeah. He is... Yes, he's turning 23 at the end of the month. Okay. Yeah, I'll hold. He has, you know, 150 innings, basically, over the course of his entire career now, which is... That's the more concerning part. Yeah, exactly. I'll say down. It is absurd how many injuries this, like... Literally all the pitchers have needed TJ. It's, yeah. it's like what are they doing? Like, like at some point, I'm mad at the organization more than the actual pitchers because it's like, guys, if if like six minor leaguers have had TJ, mm-hmm. please stop doing whatever you're doing. I mean, uh, you know, Tommy John is a weird thing. All those, you know, biokinesthetics, whatever is is yeah. Still kind of like a fledgling science, I guess, or, or just something that we as amateurs really don't. Certainly fledgling in the Mets organization. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't think that there is a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that there are this many injuries and in the minor leagues anyway, and there was no season last year. Oh, that's probably like... There's something to do with enough. either keeping up with those guys' training or... Whatever the case is, I don't know, but I ju- it just seems too obvious that there has to be some kind of connection. But also, like, can you really simulate a full season of actually pitching? Like, no, but away from it, like, yeah, big, injuries are up in Major League Baseball in general, like in the majors, let alone the minors. So this just might be a thing that's happening in twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one sucks. <laughs> Speaking of sucking, number 20, right-handed pitcher Sam McWilliams. He, uh, yeah, he, he of the Sports Illustrated cover. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Appeared in seven games for the Syracuse Mets and posted a 1080 ERA in 8.1 innings with 10 hits allowed, 8 walks, and 10 strikeouts before being designated for assignment. And the Padres claimed him off waivers like a week later, and he's been with the El Paso Chihuahuas, their their AAA team ever since. And with them, he has a 10.07 ERA in 22.1 innings, with 20 hits allowed, 27 walks, and 25 strikeouts. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like once you saw him in <laughs> spring training one time, I was like, oh, I don't know yeah. how that's going to work. And then he it did not really know where the ball was going. Yeah, 
I, I feel like, look, the Rays are definitely cheap, and we've made comments about how what they do is bad for baseball. But they're not typically cheap, and they are cheap in very intelligent ways. And I don't think if McWilliams was actually good and he was actually with them and it would have only cost them $100,000 extra to hang on to him, that's not the kind of cheap they are, right? I, I think if those gains had been real, they would have recognized it and held on to the dude. Um, so maybe maybe next time there's a breakout raise pitcher that they're seemingly willing to let go who isn't getting paid real money, we should be less uh, excited about it. I do hope this doesn't scare the Mets off from doing this type of stuff because it was just one million dollars and it didn't mm-hmm. really, it didn't really hurt them. Like yeah. this was, nothing happened. Like they lost a million dollars and it didn't stop them from signing anyone and it took up a forty man spot for two weeks. That's so. why they had to make all those savings in the draft. Had to recoup that McWilliams <laughs> money. They lost the McWilliams funds, so they needed to <laughs> figure it out, figure out a way to get that back. But um. I mean, I this it, I think it was a smart bet, and it was just the wrong player, and he was not good, and here mm-hmm. we are. Exactly. All right, next up is number 21, outfielder Adrian Hernandez, and he appeared in 30 games for the Brooklyn Cyclones, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and he hit 133, 167, 163 in 30 games with one home run, no stolen bases, and a Four to 42 walk to strikeout ratio. Then he was sent down to St. Lucie in about mid-July after that struggle. He didn't appear with any games for them. And then about two weeks later or so, at the beginning of August, he declared himself voluntarily retired. And here we are. I heard that there was some behind-the-scenes issues with him, like kind of insubordination stuff, but it's whatever. And we wish him well, basically. In yep. his future endeavors, whatever they may be. Be real nice if we heard if this was a, an organization where we heard there was some behind the scenes issues and we could give the team the benefit of the doubt. But I don't really because it's the Mets. So mm-hmm. yep. yeah, for sure. I just hope he's all right. Whatever's going on, yep. if anything, because yep. yeah. that's always the stuff that we're. It, I always worry that some nefarious things have happened because of baseball in general. So I hope he's all right. Yeah, that's the thing. We have no clue. We have no context other than the numbers and the occasional reporting. And most, you know, big outlets are not going to be reporting on the the, the life and whatever of a low A or high A ball player. I mean, they didn't even report he retired. Like, right, exactly. The only reason why we found out is like the ML, MILB transaction Twitter. Right. <laughs> so it could have been like, who knows? It could have been that he's. He's always hated baseball, and he's going to become a priest like that other dude. You know, like uh, we could, we don't know. It could be that someone is sick at home and he has to go home. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It could be he hit the lotto and he said, "Fuck this, I'm out." Like whatever. But no, that'd be a story. That we, yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of that. That's I'm kind of hoping we'll do one day on you know. Oh yeah, that guy, and we'll find out. Yeah. He hit Megalotto and is a millionaire living somewhere in, like, the Cayman Islands. <laughs> if, only, if only we could all be so lucky. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is number 22, outfielder Stanley Consuegra, and he appeared in three games this year, going four for 11 with two doubles and a home run and a stolen base. The slugging is through the roof. And two strikeouts, uh, playing for the Florida Complex League Mets. And then he got hit in the pitch, hit buy a pitch in the hand and the Mets um, ended his season basically because of it. For so. fuck's sake, man. Like, that's not even his fault. No. <laughs> Just got it on the hand. If he had, So if he had another lower body injury, I would have said down, but since he got hit by a pitch, it's old. Yeah, it's, it's... I'm not gonna be like, oh, you got... You broke your hand playing baseball? Down. Like... <laughs> and he started off well It's 11 at-bats, but... Hopefully he gets better injury luck in the future. Yeah, he's kind of been snake bit in this in, in the course of his young career. So, speaking of snake bitten here, number twenty three catcher Andy Rodriguez. He was traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates, part of the three trade three team trade between the Mets, Pirates, and Padres that saw Joey Lucchese come to the Mets. 
And in 74 games with Pittsburgh's low-A affiliate, the Bradenton Marauders, Andy Rodriguez is hitting 276, 365, 466, with 10 home runs, two stolen bases, 38 walks, and 60 strikeouts. Would be an easy up. Ah, yeah. He was kind of interesting, though, before they traded him. He was kind of Mm -hmm. a guy that I remember. Um, Get, like, Austin Barnsey vibes from him, honestly, both in the terms of the way he hits and that he has the potential to play catcher and then also some other spots. Yeah, I could see that. Austin Barnes, I think they mostly leave him a catcher now, but when he first came up for the Dodgers, they had him at, like, in fantasy, he was so useful because he'd be a second-base catcher dual eligibility dude. Like, what the hell is this? uh, One of the Nolas. Mm-hmm. The one who's in San Diego. Austin. Austin. Yeah. Since he's with the Pirates now, he's the new Ryan Domit. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was interesting, and it, that one sings a little, because Lucchese is like, fine. I understand why they did that, and also, if Alvarez is good, who cares, because, like... Yeah, yeah. But also, it's, like, you never want to see a prospect thrive somewhere else when it could have been thriving here. Right, it's like a weird feeling. Like you don't want to see people go to other teams and then just just get get destroyed and suck because like that sucks for them. But when you see someone that was in the system go somewhere else and flourish, even if the guy at the Mets got back in return is doing good, it still like stings to be like, oh man, like he could be doing that here. Yeah, it's the same thing like with Rosario and Jimenez. If they pop, mm-hmm. especially more Jimenez thing because I think Rosario is what he is. But like if if Jimenez ends up being a good player, I'll be like, good for him. But also, ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but also we have Lindor, so who cares? You know, so it's <laughs> it's a it's there's a lot of layers here, but yeah, he would have been what the third best catching prospect in the system because I think Sanger has had a good season. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Sanger's be, on this list next year for me. So. Yeah, to be to 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 be determined with further like analysis of of their between him and Sanger and who's. Swing is nicer and defense is better. Yeah, that's all that we're getting into the weeds there, but yeah, yeah. But he would definitely be on the list. Mm-hmm. He'd be up. He'd be moving up for me. Yep. He'd be in the teens. All right, number twenty-four is right-handed pitcher Jordani Ventura, and he had uh, he came into spring training with a sore elbow and then had Tommy John. So sucks on hold because of. Of that. It just yeah. sucks that it was right away. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like the whole season was derailed, like, immediately for him. And last but, I guess, least, right-handed pitcher Riley Gilliam. And he is currently on the disabled list, but he spent the entire season with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. And he currently has a 9.88 ERA in 27.1 innings with 31 hits allowed. 13 walks, and 25 strikeouts. I just don't think he got the juice to pitch at this level, at the higher yeah. levels. The thing is, it's, he's, you know, he was in, in AA last year, or excuse me, in 2019, and he was better. Not this bad. No, yeah. it's it's tough. It's tough because, like, he's just a reliever. He could only be a reliever, not just a reliever. No. He was drafted as as a closer, mm-hmm. so like if the, the red flags this... are already. I'm he's not even. I'm gonna be in my twenty five next year. No. <laughs> like, yeah, probably not because I'll just rather rank some like like Orzi or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think this is one of those instances where you could make an argument for moving certain guys up a lot faster. Just give them because limited bullets, et cetera, et cetera, and. Now, for whatever reason, like he's gone backwards. Who knows what his arm's feeling? If something, if stuff is just breaking down, but yeah, not not really a guy to care about anymore, unfortunately. We'll always have the memories. Mm-hmm. So I guess that really wasn't as positive. No, I mean we I'm should. Be, I think there are two breakout guys at least that we should mention: Sanger and Orzi, who we've mentioned in passing here in the last couple minutes. Uh, oh, this. There's tons of guys that, you know, just kind of noteworthy on the peripheral that definitely will be on our individual top 25 lists next year and 
probably possibly on the you know collective. Yeah, Sanger is definitely one of them. He's going to be a. I think he's a major league caliber catcher. I don't know if he's a starter, but mm-hmm. like I'd say, Orzy definitely logs big league time too. Oh, absolutely. He's he's a major league caliber reliever, but also what? Where do I rank a middle reliever? I think, I think both of those guys are going to be in the teens. Like, because this is oh, a, yep. the system sucks, yeah. and B, they both look legitimately pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that in the teens. Um, that's not what you want. No. <laughs> uh, you would like that those guys to be in the 20s, but you can't really put a lot above them here. Look, Orzy had a 26 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio. Oh, did I do the math on that right? Yes, I did. Oh, just about 26 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio in double A. That's some Stephen Valines level shit, so I'm I'm all in on Eric Orzy. Yeah, he's he's also a cool story. Um, Actually, is that Stephen Valines level shit? Let me go check. Because <laughs> I know we're getting off track here, but Valines had some absolutely insane lines. I think a guy like Jose Buto might actually make the list. Um, Jose Buto in the back end. That is better than Stephen Valines in Double A. Yes. Wow. Not as good as Stephen Valines in Low A, where he had a fourteen point, where he had a twenty nine to one strikeout to walk ratio because <laughs> he does exactly. Um, but yeah, Orsi's good. Yeah, I'm excited next year for number sixteen prospect Joe Suozzi. Oh no, <laughs> Anthony Walters. He got traded or let go. Oh, right, I forgot. Yeah. Right, Dave never mind. Him, I think. It's also kind of telling that I can't think of one of the guys that they drafted this year. Who, Siegler. Um, Siegler, yeah. second and, and third round picks, I think, are both notable. Yeah, um, but, like, after that, it's pretty, like, yes. I have to look at things more closely when I start talking about top 25 stuff, but the off last, the top of my head. The last couple of years, like, the one, two, three guys have all basically slotted in in the one to ten. This year... You only have Ziegler, and I don't even know. Yeah, Ziegler's probably around 10. Kind of depressing. It's just that's what happens when you sell out the draft for one person and don't get them. But we've talked about that a hundred times now. This is supposed to be a positive podcast. I mean, if we're talking about positive podcasts, the Mets have two top 30 prospects, and they... Look like they just get have gotten better as the season's mm-hmm. gone on. Uh, like I can't. This is like Pete Alonso level hype for me with Beatty. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if he'll be that good in the majors, but I'm just so excited. I cannot wait for him to debut. Like I'm legitimately excited for his debut, where a lot of the other prospects have been like, "Oh, cool." But like when Beatty comes up, I'm gonna be like glued to the television when he's up to see if. He's as good as he's been in the minors. Like, he's good. Alright, well, now let's end things. Even though it's a positive podcast, we're going to end things with some Will Pondery, because that's just what we do. And there's been some Will Pondery going on on uh, Channel 7, ABC. Jeopardy. Yeah. I am not the person to talk about this. So one of you actually understands what's happening with the hosts. Well, basically. Well, Steve explained it to me this before yeah. the podcast because I was a little no. confused. So Alex Trebek died in you know a, a few months ago over the winter. So Japanese continued airing, but they've been filling in his spot with multiple guest hosts, some of whom have been good and some of whom have been very dry and whatever. So, um, just this past week, the uh, executive producer of of Jeopardy, um, Mike Richards, announced that they have found a permanent host to replace Alex Trebek. And according to executive producer Mike Richards, (laughs) the new host of Jeopardy is executive producer Mike Richards. Oh my god. Dude yeah. literally appointed himself to be the host. 
of uh, Jeopardy. This has serious Obama giving Obama the medal, the presidential medal <laughs> meme energy. <laughs> it's, I mean, Je- Jeff Wilpon appointed himself president of baseball operations for like two decades, so <laughs> it's, well, it's literally definitely, the- definitely some Jeff Wilpon vibes because um, Richards, he was basically <laughs> named in some lawsuits by models from The Price is Right for wrongful um, termination and pregnancy discrimination. So, I mean, talk well, about Jeff. a little too close to Jeff Yeah, Lopin. you want to talk about Jeez. Jeff Lopin vibes, yeah. There's so many good options. I mean, I, w- I almost wish Aaron Rodgers had retired. Not that I like Aaron Rodgers as a person, but he was a funny host. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's like a good dry. Yeah, he was pretty here. good. Yeah. It's uh, just like, man, to go from Alex Trebek to this. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. LeVar Burton was an option. Like, come on. I, at least they didn't go with Dr. Oz. I would have flown off the fucking handle <laughs> if they did that, but still. And LeVar Burton seemed to really want to do it. Like, it's LeVar Burton's great. I don't know how that wasn't just an easy, he wants to do it, people want to see it, he's smart, done. You know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, speaking of smart, in related news to that, they also announced that there's going to be, you know, a second host for like, you know, the college championships and the student championships and the tournament of champions and those kinds of things. And that's going to be hosted by, uh, I don't think I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but Mayim Bialik, who is a legitimate neuro. Yeah. She has, has a PhD in neuroscience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like so, for real smart. Obviously she is for real smart. Yes. So, Honestly, I'd rather her be the host full time because, yeah. like, she fits the. She obviously knows how to be in front of a camera with being a actress, and she has the intelligent. Like, Alice Trebek wasn't a PhD in neuroscience. You know, she's <laughs> well qualified for the type of show that that is. Like, it's a show based on intelligence. So, it would have been cool to see her do it. Honestly, well, like, I'm I'm almost hesitant because you just too often now we find out shitty things about people long after the fact, but. Based on what we know, Alex Trebek is a really great guy. Everyone loved him, and we're replacing him with a guy who's a creep. Like it'd be it'd be nice if we could, you know, not do that, not ruin something for a, yeah, like just make yeah. it a little gross. Oh, that is Will Pottery at its most basic essence. <laughs> oh yes. Right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from compass to queens at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elzlahos343. Ken is at KenLeffin91. And Thomas is at SaidMetSeason, SZM. Subscribe to the podcast podcast from, rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. (laughs) 